Well, hi there, dear friend. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Faith FM, Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the program where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. You're listening currently to Hugh Heenan, uh, ministering out of uh, Trinity Gardens, Seventh-day Adventist Church, as well as Faith Adventist Centre, uh, a mission centre, a church plant in Mawson Lakes in Adelaide, South Australia. And I'm truly delighted to be able to spend the next hour with you as we explore this week's continued theme of is protestantism still relevant today and more particularly today's related topic a very interesting one an exciting one why did martin luther cause such a stir and uh, so this is uh, today's program this is our topic it's a very interesting one and it's uh, a particular delight of mine to be able to welcome our co-host for today uh, Pastor Don Felberg whom I understand uh, to have worked for most of the past 20 years uh, and and in some ministry prior to that for quite some time too but the last 20 years in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ministry and is currently located in Western Australia how are you today Don? Yes, very well, thank you, Hugh. It's uh, lovely to be with you and your listeners once again. It's truly a joy. And uh, uh, I understand, Don, that uh, life has changed a little bit for you um, in ministry. I, I think that uh, you may have retired now. Yes, that's correct. After many years of uh, of working hard, almost day and night it seemed, not mm. quite, <laughs> but uh, things are a little bit more relaxed, although I'm still very busy serving the Lord and uh, and promoting His love and His gospel. Oh, amen to that. It's uh, it's truly a joy to be able to be at the coalface and uh, in the front row seats as we watch God go to work in people's lives and, and the work he does in our own lives in the process as well. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, a pastor never truly retires, does he? And uh, so it's good to hear that no. you are still very much uh, uh, moved by the Spirit and, and uh, leading people to Christ, but also sharing with us on the airwaves as well. So it's a real joy to have you with us today. Thank you. Yes, I was going to say it's better to wear out than to rust out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I remember a retired pastor friend of mine. Uh, he said to me that uh, uh, you just can't kill weeds. It's really hard to kill yeah. weeds. Um, now, of course, he was being very um, self-effacing in saying that he was certainly no weed. And um, yeah. you know, God grows beautiful flowers in his garden. So, you know, um, today uh, is, like I mentioned before, a very interesting topic. You're going to be sharing with us um, the life story, essentially, of Martin Luther um, yeah. and uh, why he caused such a stir, uh, it seems, back uh, in the, uh, the time of the Reformation. Yes, I should point out, uh, Pastor Yu, that the Luther we're talking about is not Martin Luther King of America, (laughs) but Martin Luther, the German of the 15th and 16th century. Yeah, it's easy to get confused over that, isn't it? A lot of people do, and of course, it's uh, they, they were both great reformers, weren't they, in their own right? Um, they were, yes. Yes, yes. Um, and of course, uh, Martin Luther was such a great reformer that um, he was that Martin Luther King was named after him, essentially, wasn't he? So uh, yeah. uh, it's very telling as to the importance of the story that you're going to be sharing with us today. But before we move in that direction, uh, we uh, uh, like to do something here at uh, 
Drive Time Big Q&A, and that is that we'd like to have a uh, a look at the significant world religious trends that are happening around us, a world prophetic development, uh, or just simply you know what's what's uh, happening in the the wider realm uh, when it, uh, around us when it comes to spirituality and faith. Uh, and uh, so in casting about and looking at uh, what's happening in the world today, I came across a really interesting article. And uh, it was uh, something which was released uh, just uh, last week in Psychology Today. Uh, that's a um, one of the, the leading uh, journals, uh, popular journals, but also uh, what you would call uh, one that has many hundreds, uh, I think something like 800 different uh, professional contributors, uh, peer-reviewed as well. Uh, and it's uh, an interesting article that I, I uh, pulled up here. It calls. It says why spirituality matters in medicine, and uh, it struck me as being something somehow or, or similarly connected to our topic today, in a sense, because uh, of course, uh, when we think of Martin Luther, we think of the Great Protestant Reformation. He was essentially leading people uh, uh, away from the uh, uh, the superstition and from the power and control. Uh, that had uh, predominated during the uh, <clears throat> the dark ages when no one had access really to a whole lot of literature, let alone the Bible. And and so he was leading people back to the scriptures, back to the Bible, and back to the liberating uh, truths of God's word, including the ability to uh, for free choice <clears throat> and being able to explore and uh, enjoy the discoverability of things within nature as well. And uh, and so, you know, out of the great Protestant Reformation really then followed on its heels uh, the Renaissance and uh, the Enlightenment and then, of course, all the, the great uh, discoveries that have followed in train through to the modern age and uh, and the times in which we're living today. Um, and all of that, we can be very thankful and grateful for the work of the, of the great reformer, Martin Luther and other reformers like him, <coughs> in really... Uh, taking the shackles off people or allowing for that to happen by this great protest and leading people back to the the, the life-giving and liberating word of God uh, and uh, the many truths that exist uh, in God's word, which lead to many other discovered truths and facts that have then followed ever since. And so uh, I do wonder as we think about the many discoveries that have followed, what Martin Luther would make of the world in which we live today and, and the impact that he has had and others like him in the, uh, in the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of, uh, of uh, wherever the evidence leads. And, um, you know, uh, when I was reading this article in Psychology Today, it points out <clears throat> that along the way something may have been missed, something may have been lost, uh, and that is that while spirituality and medicine have had a long intertwined history, uh, and in fact the very emergence of hospitals uh, in the Western world arose out of hospitality and care from monasteries and many hospitals by religious institutions and orders, um, and in fact that uh, many hospitals and, and medical mission uh, clinics uh, are really operated by uh, by uh, religious organizations even to this day, that in many respects, over the past century at least, <clears throat> we've seen an increasing division between medicine and spirituality. Uh, but now we're beginning to see science is coming back around to realizing that uh, spirituality has a very big part to play, uh, Not uh, because it's not just uh, that we are mental, emotional, and physical creatures. We are very much spiritual beings as well and uh, have a spiritual side. 
And uh, so this article here, Pastor Don, it talks um, from the perspective of many different studies, but particularly from that of Harvard, the Human Flourishing Program there at uh, Harvard University, and uh, their initiative on health, religion, and spirituality. It's recently been published in the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, and they've discovered many different uh, different things about the interaction between spirituality and health and medical care. Uh, and amongst uh, the many various different uh, discoveries that they've made, <clears throat> includes the the need to keep uh, uh, the spiritual life of the patient very much in view uh, with regards to their care. One of the reasons for this is that. Uh, those who they've discovered those who frequently attend religious services have a 27% lower risk of dying in follow up uh, after surgery and and the like and 33% lower odds of subsequently becoming depressed uh now that's uh, just a couple of the findings from that particular study but uh, then there've been many other various related studies from Florida State, from Miami University, from the University of Wisconsin Madison, Columbia University uh, and uh, uh, and uh, many others from Yale School of Medicine, uh, Ohio State, uh, various ones of them, uh, longitudinal studies, certainly the one at Harvard, and uh, they've been discovering that uh, that when it comes to uh, overall health, that uh, our our spiritual life really does have a flow-on effect to our physical well-being. Um, now, I wonder as we consider that. Uh, how Martin Luther uh, might reflect on this or what his reaction or response might be to realize the impact that uh, the great Protestant Reformation has had upon uh, upon not only people's spiritual life but upon so- the sciences uh, and, and how that uh, in turn it's helping, uh, helping us to realize on a scientific level uh, that uh, spirituality is... Uh, it's very much an important part of our overall health and well-being. I wonder what your thoughts would be uh, on that, Pastor Don. Yes, Pastor Hugh. I think um, the fact that Luther encouraged people to think for themselves and um, and to investigate and study for themselves opened a door. Like you said before, it helped to bring the re- Renaissance and it brought all sorts of inventions and, and learnings that wouldn't have happened under the Dark Ages. And so I think that uh, Luther would be very uh, pleased to know that um, there is a, a clear link between spirituality and restoration to health. And it, it makes sense that if a person is at peace with God, if he knows that God is with him, well, then he's more relaxed to face the stresses of medical treatment and whatever might be facing him. Mm. Yes, as as the good book itself says, the prophet Isaiah pointed out that uh, um, that God will keep in perfect peace the mind of him who is focused on on or who is uh, focused upon Him. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so it's very true to say that. Uh, Peace of mind and peace of heart leads to uh, wholeness and well-being for the the whole person, doesn't it? And uh, very true, yes. very true. These yeah. studies, in fact, have shown that uh, <clears throat> that with regards to heart patients, those who've had strokes, those who are um, 
who maybe have uh, suffered depression, um, that uh, when it comes to, or those who are being hospitalized in the length of their stay, that spirituality plays a very big part to play. And these are not small studies. These are very large studies in some instances. I'm looking at one here that involved 126,000 people uh, in just one study alone. Uh, And so it's fascinating to think uh, of the impact that uh, our relationship with God and the peace of mind and heart that comes from a, a uh, having a relationship with a loving and compassionate God can have upon every other aspect of our lives. And so uh, the the realization of all of these things <clears throat> has become much more prevalent uh, as uh, a result of the great Protestant Reformation. So the story we're about to hear today from Pastor Don is a very important one uh, for this reason and many others. It really was an epoch-changing, world planet-shaking, if you will, uh, uh, series of events that were lived out in the life of Martin Luther. I'm not going to share any more on that because uh, I know that, that Don, you're going to be sharing a whole lot more, and uh, it's going to be a fascinating story. Uh, I wonder if you wouldn't mind praying for us as uh, we begin our time together. I'm happy to do that. I was just going to say, Pastor Hugh, that you mentioned that I've worked with our Aboriginal people for yes. many years. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And uh, talking about spirituality and uh, healing and health and ministering to the sick, uh, our Aboriginal folk, they um, love someone to pray for them if they're facing a medical issue. I had a man in Alice Springs the other day who was there at the hospital ready to undergo um, uh, some surgery and he rang me on and asked could I pray for him before he went in for his surgery. And that's typical. I have that happening regularly where people are facing some issue and they say pray. And uh, I remember one very interesting uh, time we were at Fink in the centre of Australia and uh, we were visiting around and and talking with the people and all of a sudden one of the ladies uh, had some severe pain and was rushed down to the little clinic there in the community and uh, some of the people, they looked for me, they wanted me to come and pray for her but uh, they couldn't find me, but they found my wife. And so they rushed my wife, Eileen, into the clinic, and uh, they more or less said to the nurse, just hold on, here's pastor's wife, she's going to pray for the lady. And so the the nurse had to sort of hold what she was doing till Eileen could pray, and then they said, all right, now you do your thing. But it just illustrates how many of our folk put such an importance on prayer when they're facing uh, issues like this. Mm. And I think of another instance where one of our Aboriginal people was working at the local AMS and he was working in mental health. And uh, he was having really good success with the people. And his supervisor said to him one day, how is it that you seem to be doing so well? And he said, well, to be honest with you, with you, I, I do what I'm not supposed to do. And the supervisor said, well, what's that? Well, he said, I pray with the people. And it was working. People were responding and uh, and feeling greater benefit and uh, and so there's a real connection among our aboriginal people between health and spirituality mm. 
There, there certainly is, isn't there? And uh, it shows the telling difference that is made by having a, a living connected relationship with Christ. He, he is the life giver. He is the, the one who makes us whole in every sense, isn't he? And, yeah. uh, and, and so really to ensure that uh, our listeners today uh, uh, don't just uh, have opportunity to tune into uh, the story of Martin Luther while we're with, while we're together, uh, we actually have a free offer. And uh, it's a special edition, Martin Luther, A Man for His Times. Um, and uh, as we're going to discover today, and as we've sort of hinted at, he's a man not just for his times, he was a man for uh, the times ever since, really, the impact of his life. Mm-hmm. And so this special edition, Martin Luther, A Man for His Times, can be yours uh, to our listeners by just texting the code word uh, SA63, that's Capital S, capital A, 63, SA63 to 04888808811. That's SA63 to 04888808811. And that free offer, that special edition, Martin Luther, a man for his times, that can be yours just by texting in that code word SA63 to that number. All right, well, we're going to play a little song just now. Um, I was thinking to play There is a Redeemer. I might just hold on to that till a little later in the program. Um, but just now, we've talked about the importance of uh, the Bible and leading people back to the Word of God uh, and uh, in Martin Luther's life and the impact of that ever since. So let's just uh, play a little something for you now um, called, uh, my, uh, called Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith. I'm just going to, uh, to play that for us just now. Oh, it's uh, decided that it uh, doesn't like that just at the moment. Maybe we need to play There is a Redeemer. It's got it in its mind that it's what it wants to do. All right, here we are. Keith Green, There is a Redeemer. God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God. Oh, for sinners slain
Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Welcome back, dear listener, to uh, Drive Time Big Q&A right here on Faith FM Australia-wide. Uh, our co-host uh, with me today is Don Felberg. My name is Hugh Heenan, and our theme uh, for the week today, uh, or for this week rather, on uh, Drive Time Big Q&A is, Is Protestantism Still Relevant Today? And uh, today's topic related to this is, Why Did Martin Luther Cause Such a Stir?, and uh, so to help us uh, unpack and answer that question today, we've got uh, Pastor Don Felberg and, and uh, over there in WA joining us via phone. And uh, Don, uh, you're going to share with us a little of uh, the life story of Martin Luther. Yes, happy to, Pastor Hugh. But uh, just before we do, maybe we could have a little prayer, shall we? Sure. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being able to Tell this story once again today. Lord, we thank you for what you have, how you have led and guided throughout history. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us today to help us to receive a blessing as we uh, talk about this tremendous time in the history of Christianity. And so blessed we pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Hugh, uh, Luther, Martin Luther, was born in 1483 in Eisleben, Germany. So that's 539 years ago. Quite a while, isn't it? (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) He was the son of a miner by the name of Hans Luther, a hard-working man. And interestingly, there's a plaque on the house where Luther was born that says, what Luther taught was true because it was in the Bible. Mm. And as we go through our story today, we will see how Luther came to love the Bible. Well, after school, he went to university in Erfurt for four years eventually graduating from a BA and an MA degree. His father wanted him to become a lawyer, but uh, he wasn't quite so sure about that. But when he was about 21, he was uh, heading along the road. I'm not sure whether he was going home or going to the university, but he ended up in a terrible thunderstorm. And he was frightened. Lightning was dancing all around him and he he was scared that any minute he might get hit and so he vowed to become a monk if his life was spared. Well, the good news was that he was spared 
and he kept his word. And that's something about Luther. He was a man of his word. And so he entered the Augustinian monastery there in Erfurt. And I visited this place. I walked down the path in the snow to the monastery door. I've been ushered upstairs and uh, been shown uh, where Luther stayed while he was there, his little room or his cell. And Luther was a, uh, a very sincere monk. He tried to find peace with God by punishing his body, thinking that God would forgive him if he punished himself enough. Mm. And he made a famous statement. He said, I was indeed a pious monk and followed the rules of my order more strictly than I can express. If ever monk could attain heaven by his monkish works, I should certainly have been entitled to it. If I had continued much longer, I should have carried my mortifications even to death. Mm. And I saw a statement in a display box outside of his cell with these words, I tried to follow all the regulations of the monastery, but I could never find certainty in my heart, but always had doubt. Well, he found a Bible chained to the monastery wall, and he didn't even know that a Bible had existed. He'd heard in church portions of Scripture read, and he thought, well, maybe that's all there is to the Scriptures. But he was delighted when he discovered the Bible and he began reading it. In fact, he would even go uh, without sleep to spend time reading the Bible. He would rush his meals so that he'd have more time reading the Bible. He devoured it. He was so interested. But he had all these doubts and he had all these uh, fears. And uh, around this time, he met up with a man by the name of Johann von Storpitz, who was a doctor of theology and vicar general of the Augustinian monks there in Germany. And uh, mm -hmm. as Luther's superior, Luther uh, from time to time confessed his sins to him. And on one occasion, he spent, Luther spent six hours confessing his sins to Storpitz. Mm. I mean, that must be a record, surely. <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yes, and Storpitz noticed his uh, sincerity and he noticed his struggles and he, he said to him, instead of torturing yourself on account of your sins, cast yourself into the arms of your Redeemer. Trust mm. in him in the righteousness of his life, in the atonement of his death. Listen to the Son of God. He became man to give you the assurance of divine favor. Love him who has first loved you. Mm. Well, Luther uh, was eventually ordained as a priest of the uh, Catholic Church in 1507. And the next year, he was called to Wittenberg as professor. There, he got to study the Bible in the original languages. And he lectured, um, among other things, on the Psalms, the Gospels, and uh, the Epistles of Paul. And eventually, he was urged to preach, but he thought, he, he was hesitant because he thought, I'm so unworthy. But eventually he did preach, and uh, the people loved it. 
His voice wasn't loud and strong, but with a clearness and a power, he presented the truth and the things that he'd been discovering from God's word. And as he studied and taught, he found differences between what the Bible said and what he had been brought up to believe. Mm. And he expressed some of these things to his superiors, and they found difficulty in answering some of these things or reconciling them. And they thought it might uh, answer some of his questions and help his faith if he were to visit Rome. And so they sent him on some church business to Rome, and he was excited to think he was going to the, the holy city. And when he first caught a glimpse of Rome, he fell face down and on the ground saying, Holy Rome, I salute you. He was just so excited to think I'm here at last. Mm. But he was terribly disappointed by all the sin and wickedness even the things that many of the clergy were doing, and uh, things seemed to be uh, so corrupt. He said it's incredible what sins and atrocities are committed in Rome. They must be seen and heard to be believed. Mm. But while he was there, he visited churches. His, His eyes were wide open to take in everything he could, and he participated in the ceremonies and the rituals. And he came to the church known as the Santa Scala. Now, both you and I have been there to the Santa Scala. Indeed, It's an interesting place to visit. Mm. And uh, there, in the Santa Scala, there are steps that people uh, can go up. And they they claim that these were the very steps that Jesus uh, went up in Pilate's Judgment Hall in Jerusalem just how they were transported from Jerusalem over to Rome, I'm not sure, but that's the story they tell you. And when Luther came there, the Pope had just issued a recent indulgence to those who would go up the staircase on their knees. In other words, they could have their sins atoned for. And so Luther was painfully going up the stairs on his knees when like a thunderbolt, the words of Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 hit his mind, that just shall live by faith. And he got up and he walked down the steps, and that text never lost its power on his mind. From Mm. that time, he saw more clearly than ever before the fallacy of trusting the human works for salvation, and he was impressed with the necessity of constant faith in the merits of Jesus Christ. Mm. His eyes had been opened and were never again to be closed. Mm. Well, he went back to the University of Wittenberg and he received there the degree of Doctor of Divinity and he was now at liberty to spend more time studying the scriptures that he had come to love. And uh, he preached them faithfully to the people. He came to the conclusion that the Bible and the Bible only is the platform of our belief, or should be the only platform of our belief. And by the way, that's a very vital principle of the Reformation, and it struck the very foundation of the papacy. Mm. And um, it's 
interesting that around this time, or as he continued to study the Word of God, he was impressed with the loveliness of Jesus and the Gospel. I have a statement here in Great Controversy written by Ellen White. She says, Precious was the message which he bore to the eager crowds that hung upon his words. This is as he preached. Never before had such teachings fallen upon their ears. The glad tidings of the Saviour's love, the assurance of pardon and peace through his atoning blood, rejoiced their hearts and inspired within them an immortal hope. At Wittenberg a light was kindled whose rays should extend to the uttermost parts of the earth and which was to increase in brightness to the close of time. You know, Pastor you when I was there in Wittenberg, I saw some of Lucas Cranach's uh, many paintings. He was Luther's, I guess you could say, special artist. And um, he painted a whole series on the Ten Commandments to explain what they are. Mm. And uh, But one of the paintings that really impressed me, hanging up in one of the churches there, was a painting of Luther preaching. He was up in the desk. Uh, preaching, and you see on one side the picture, and on the other side of the painting is the congregation sitting in their seats. But between the preacher and the congregation, there was Jesus hanging on the cross. Mm. And it was sending the message that Luther was preaching Jesus Christ, a crucified Savior, one who died for our sins. He was preaching that to the people. No wonder their hearts rejoiced. Mm. Well, around this time, this is about 1517 now, Johann Tetzel was appointed to raise money for Pope Leo to build or renovate St. Peter's Basilica there in Rome. And he traveled around the country selling indulgences. Now, an indulgence is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for their sins. And so, in other words, it helps to uh, atone for your sins. And so, Tetzel's telling the people, the common people, that if they bought these indulgences, their sins would be forgiven. Uh, They wouldn't have to suffer the punishment for their sins. But more than that, he told them that if they bought these things, their loved ones could be got out of purgatory and hell. And he he said, when the coin in the coffer rings, Tetzel said, the soul from purgatory springs. Has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? It certainly does. <laughs> and you can see, Pastor, you why people would have flocked along and gathered up their few spare Mm. coins. I mean, you think you're getting mum and dad out of purgatory for a few coins. I mean, that pulls on the heartstrings, doesn't it? It sure does, yes. Well, people showed Luther these indulgences that they were buying, these papers, and they said they didn't need to worry about their sins anymore because now they were all taken care for. They'd paid good money for these things. Well, Luther was furious. Mm. This wasn't the teaching of the Bible. You can't earn salvation by buying indulgences. The just shall live by faith. Mm. And so he sent off a protest to the Archbishop Albert of Mainz, 
that he was met with silence. In fact, Albert was in uh, tow with Pope Leo in raising this money. Hmm. Well, when Luther didn't accept the indulgences from the people, some of them went back to Tetzel and they wanted their money back. (laughs) Well, Tetzel fumed and cursed and he lit fires in the public squares and declared he had orders from the Pope to burn the heretics who dared oppose his most holy indulgences. Mm. Well, Luther boldly wrote out his protest or theses, 95 of them on a scroll, and he marched down the street in Wittenberg and he nailed them to the door of the castle church on All Saints Day, October 31, 1517. Well, people quickly gathered to see what the notice said, and uh, within days, uh, they had spread across Germany. They were copied and printed, and away they went. And within weeks, they were right across Christendom, and it wasn't long before a copy even came onto the Pope's desk. Well, this really stirred things up. Pastor Hugh, you asked me, why did Luther cause such a stir? You can start to see the answer. <laughs> starting to see it quite clearly now, yes. yes. Yes, Luther was called to Augsburg to appear on trial. And uh, Cajetan, the papal representative, was there. Now, he was unable to answer Luther from the Bible. But he called Luther to recant his teachings. And Luther refused to recant without evidence of where he was wrong. Well, Luther escaped over a wall from that meeting and he went back to Wittenberg. Well, the Pope was very upset about what had happened and so he issued a papal bull of excommunication. But you know what Luther did, Pastor Hugh? He actually took it out and he publicly burned it. He said, I'm not afraid of what the Pope says. I am bound by the Bible. Amen. And so he was commissioned then to come to the Diet of Worms for trial in 1521. And there Charles V, the new emperor, was in attendance. Uh, Luther appeared before the most august and important assembly the world could muster. And Luther wanted to explain his Bible views and give the evidence and discuss these things. But they simply cut him short and said, are these your books? And uh, so he asked them to name the books and they named them. And he said, yes, they're my books, my writings. And then they said, will you recant them? And, um, and uh, Luther made probably his most famous and well-known statement. He said, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of Pope and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Mm. And Pastor you, I've had the privilege of standing on the very spot where Luther stood when he made those words. It's not in a building anymore, but out on the footpath, there is a marker recording the spot where Luther stood there in the council. They are brave words. 
and uh, the authorities. Charles V would have liked to have burnt Luther to the stake right there and then, but he knew that if he did that, uh, he would have caused a riot right across the empire because there was a growing support from the German princes for Luther and his teachings. So he commanded him to return to Wittenberg. Well, as he was going along, the people clapped and cheered. Uh, they were they were just so excited. He was treated like a hero as he was leaving Witten, uh, uh, Worms. Well, on the way back to Wittenberg, he was captured by masked soldiers on horseback, and he was secretly taken to Wartburg Castle. His friend, Prince uh, Frederick of Saxony, um, who was one of the powerful German princes, had uh, he he was agreeing with what Luther taught, and so he protected him, and he arranged for this capture to protect him and so they took him off to Wartburg Castle and uh, I've been there to Wartburg Castle in fact I was there one time just after it had snowed quite heavily and then there was a big frost and there were icicles hanging off every branch of the tree I tell you it was a <laughs> it was a photographer's paradise because the sun had just come out it was magic oh beautiful well you know Luther's supporters, many of them didn't know what had happened to him. He just disappeared. Most of them didn't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. And, and many of them were feeling, oh, this is a great letdown after such a, a, a wonderful stand. But, you know, the Lord has his ways. All things work together to good the, for good to them that love the Lord, Paul says in Romans 8, 28. Mm. And Luther was here captive, as it were, at Wartburg Castle, and uh, he spent the 10 months that he was there translating the Bible, into the New Testament, into the German language. What a blessing. And then it was printed and circulated, and so people had access to the Bible for themselves. Well, when he came back to society... In 1525, he married Catherine von Bora, a former nun, and they had three sons and three daughters. And he was involved in many other things, but in 1534, he translated, he had finished translating the entire Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, and it was printed. And finally, in 1546, at the age of 62, he died at Eisleben in the same place where he was born. And over the door of a chapel in Eisenach, just down the road from Wartburg Castle, are the words of his great hymn that he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe, and so it goes on. But God is our refuge and strength. He was basing this great hymn, which was really the battle hymn of the Reformation, on the words of Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God did a wonderful work through Martin Luther, he was a great man of the Reformation. Mm. He surely was. <clears throat> and you can easily tell why that was the case. Uh, as, as you've been 
tracing for us the impact of his life, or at least uh, the the events of his life. Uh, and of course, one of the really important parts of this story is that he put his full reliance upon the word of God, didn't he? Uh, he didn't yeah, put it into the councils or upon uh, popes or councils or uh, uh, other. Uh, uh, other uh, thoughts or philosophies, he put it solely upon the testimony of the scriptures, and it's interesting. He says, "All by clear reason." Uh, and yeah. so, in other words, he was saying that uh, the foundation is the Word of God. All all yeah. life and every every ability to think has come from God, um, but he doesn't set aside reason. And I think that's one of the big impacts of his his life ever since, isn't it? That uh, that uh, he he showed that faith and reason go together. They're not diametrically yeah. opposed, as has so often been set up uh, in, in artificially in the minds of many uh, at different points, uh, particularly in the modern age in which we live today. So I wonder, perhaps at this point in time, we'll take a little break. We'll tune in now to the song I was trying to play before, but I think this is an even better time to play it, and that is uh, Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith, a reminder of the power uh, and the relevance and life-changing nature of the Word of God, not just for Martin Luther, but for our lives together today as well.
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Well, welcome back, dear listeners. You are listening to Drive Time Big Q&A here on Faith FM Australia-wide. And uh, it's such a, a joy to have with me here today Pastor Don Felberg, who's been sharing with us about the life story of Martin Luther, a man for his times and a man whose life has resonated uh, right through ever since. And the ripple effect of his life has been felt uh, right through to today, uh, like very few other lives have in human history. And it's all because of his fidelity and and uh, his adherence to uh, to the word of god and uh, and conscience and uh, and uh, we we don't want our listeners to to leave today unless uh, they have uh, pastor don something that they can take away with them and so we have a free offer for our listeners uh, today and that is a special edition martin luther a man for his times uh, to get today's free offer all you need to do is text the code word sa63 that's capital s capital a 63 sa63 to 04888880811 and that book uh, uh, that uh, special edition martin luther a man for his times can be yours. So that's SA sixty three to zero four triple eight eight oh eight double one. Well, Pastor Don, we've been talking about uh, the life of Martin Luther. I wonder if you might, in just the, the few minutes that remain, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us uh, what you believe to be uh, the impact of Martin's li- Martin Luther's life. Well, he made a tremendous impact on Christianity. He really broke the hold of Rome on multitudes of people. And he did that by drawing attention to the Bible. We've been mentioning this a little bit, but really this principle of our beliefs must be based upon the Bible, I believe is the very foundational principle of the Protestant Reformation. Mm. And certainly Luther did that. He, uh, bit by bit, he came to understand the importance of his beliefs being based on the Bible. And, uh, you know, that brought him freedom. You know, I think of what Jesus said in John eight thirty one and 32, the truth will make you free. Mm. And it certainly did for Luther. And uh, it brought him freedom by bringing him to Jesus and to the foot of the cross. He found salvation, not through his own works and efforts, but he found salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in him. Mm. Now I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, the Apostle Paul wrote. What's grace? Well, grace is a favor we don't deserve. Mm. What didn't we deserve? We didn't deserve Jesus to die in our place for our sin. We deserve death because we've sinned. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death and all have sinned. But the text says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest Mm. anyone should boast. And so there Luther discovered this wonderful truth, Pastor Hugh, and it brought him tremendous peace and freedom and inspired him to to share this with other people and um and it inspired him um to stand up against the authorities who were trying to to uh, not give people freedom of conscience and uh, i i should say this pastor you martin luther 
as a faithful Roman Catholic priest, never ever planned to leave the Catholic Church. Mm, When he discovered these things from the Bible, he thought, if I can share these with the church leaders and with the Pope, they will rejoice to see these understandings and they will will be happy with them. But sadly, he found that wasn't the case, and they ended up putting him out of the church Mm. and uh, put out of the church those that agreed with him. And so those people, they they met together. They'd been put out of their church, and so they met together, and that's how the Lutheran church uh, commenced. Like I said, he never planned to, to start another church. It happened because they were put out of their beloved church. Mm. And so um, I, I think another impact of Luther was the fact that he inspired many others to go to their Bibles and to find the Jesus that he had discovered. I think of Tyndale there in England, who was the, yes. who translated the Bible into the English language. That's right. He was greatly impacted by Luther, and uh, and John Wesley was, and and many others. So his impact has gone. Um, has gone in huge waves around the world since the time of the 16th century. So little wonder then that uh, Martin Luther could say with the Apostle Paul, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, this good news of Jesus and what he's done to save us, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Of course, not by works or, or by pilgrimage or by any other means or by payment, as you've rightly pointed out, but uh, uh, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in, not in ourselves, but a faith in Jesus. And what a revolutionary, radical, and world-changing truth that is that has been. It's resonated ever since. And I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today about the uh, the very important life uh, of Martin Luther and, of course, the life of Christ lived through him and through anyone who believes and accepts by faith and in good conscience and through reason. The, the goodness of God given to us. Just trust Jesus. Martin Luther made this wonderful statement. He said, when I look at myself, I wonder how ever I could be saved. Mm. But he said, when I look at Jesus, I wonder how ever I could be lost. Ah, how wonderful. I wonder, Pastor, if you wouldn't mind praying for us as we close. Loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this inspiring story today of Martin Luther. We thank you how he was prepared to stand up for Jesus, Mm. how he was prepared to stand up for the teachings of the Bible. And we thank you for the positive changes that it brought to his life and to his followers and to the world. And that it's been a blessing to us because we have the Bible in our own language. We can read it and uh, we can be blessed by its wonderful teachings of salvation. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will help us to hold fast to these uh, wonderful principles that have been given to us in your word and to treasure them and to never give them up. And so bless every listener, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, you've been listening 
uh, to Pastor Don Falberg and myself, uh, Pastor Hugh Heenan, here at Faith FM on Drive Time Big Q&A. We'll look forward to spending more time with you as we explore uh, the impact of the great Protestant Reformation, uh, even on our lives here and now today. But until then, uh, God be with you, and may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Hi, I'm Michael, the station director here at Faith FM. Faith FM is almost 11 years old and it's been incredible to see how God has used us to change lives around Australia in every community we reach. I'd like to invite you to partner with Faith FM in supporting and growing your station by giving whatever God calls you to share. You can go to faithfm.com.au slash donate or call us on 1800 Faith FM to see how you can make a difference. Thanks for listening.